Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by two-time Stanley Cup champion Craig Ludwig. Craig, are you staying warm? Uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I don't have a lot of feeling left anyway, so as you can probably tell, um, <laughs> I, <clears throat> I'm, uh, it's good. I'm used to this stuff. I mean, we're, I'm actually trying to hope that they can clear the way. We had to cancel our U18 practice yesterday, the, the star centers were shut down. Um, so I'm trying to find out if it's, I'm thinking today might even be worse as far as Texas people go today than, than yesterday. So hopefully we can get on the ice today and we got a game tonight at 845 over in Farmers Branch. So I'm hoping they open the doors up so we can get on the ice. Yeah. Play. I need to come watch one of your games. No, you don't. Oh, never mind. You can come, you can come, but just don't. Don't come in after for a beer or anything. Well, I figured, you know, I'd come, take some notes, throw them your way, my thoughts. You should have been taking notes all year. (laughs) (laughs) I take mental notes. This podcast is all mental, sir. So before we get started, um, news has just come out that at 41 years of age, Sean Avery is going to be in the ECHL. Um, joining the Orlando franchise, and two things came to mind. Um, One, how long do you think it will last? He wanted to see how good of a shape or how good shape he can get into. He says he's been playing uh, club hockey, and the question is, if I put you on the ice in a professional setting, let's call it the ECHL, how long could Craig Ludwig last? Well, if I had the opportunity to play against that idiot, I would last about 30 seconds till he came to the front of the net. I would break his ankle and then I'd get kicked out of the league. Mm-hmm. So I'd last just long enough, but I, but that didn't just come out. It, this has been going on for a while. So it was funny because a couple of days ago, Matthew Barnaby, former Dallas star for a little bit, Buffalo Sabre. And um, anyway, Barney had, <clears throat> he saw that. And I got a funny feeling he, he's not one of his biggest fans. And so he has been promoting himself to, to sign a contract with any other team in the East Coast League except for the team that that he's on. So um, that would be entertaining because I think Barney would like to have his way with him. So, I mean, feel free. You said it. So, you know, go into it. Just not well-liked throughout hockey circles and why? I think it's the antics. You know, I, you know, I, I think that, Every player, uh, generally all the fans, they respect players that if you're going to play a certain style of game, um, you know, you stick around and, and answer for, for things that you do. And, and, and it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that kind of a player at all. And I think, to be frank, I think we all like him. But, you know, he, he seems to be one of these guys that takes a shot and then doesn't, you know, doesn't answer for anything. And I think that's kind of the way he is. I think he's a he's a yapper. And again, I, I'll use Barney for for an example. I mean, Barney was the kind of guy. Matthew Barney. There's a couple of players that have come through Dallas and other places. I I've told him I if I were you, because you are that kind of a player. You know, you you like to talk. You like to get under other players' skin and things like that. But you can't be a detriment to your team. And and I think Barney always knew the line and not only did he know the line but he would answer for it also and and barney would and barney's not going to tell you that he was a heavyweight by any means but but he knew that when he did what his job was i what those guys are really good at drawing penalties and they get to the line they cross it a little bit uh i I look at a guy like steve ott i mean otter was otter was one of the best at it and i probably even told otter or maybe that didn't tell him but made a comment, you know, and he probably already did, but uh, about watch Barney, because that's, that's a guy that gets under teams, you know, gets underneath them and, and he, and they end up getting focused on that player. And, you know, he knows how to draw penalties, but then he also knows that he has to answer for some things. And I, and I just don't see Avery as that kind of player. I, again, I, I never was one of them guys that went around and, you know, tried to focus in on the, the night that he was going to play. He always comes up in highlights and things like that. And it just, you know, it usually doesn't, it doesn't sit well with a lot of other players. And, and like I said, I, 
I just think that if you're gonna if you're gonna act that way and that's the way you're gonna play, um, you know, I, I know there was an I think they even I think he might even have some kind of an unwritten rule about him that I think it was a year in front of Brodeur and in when he was playing against Jersey and yeah. he, you know he went to the front of the net <clears throat> like all good players do they go to the front of the net and they make sure that they they get their feast on the edge of the crease you don't get into that crease area because now you know it's a little bit more magnified and it's a, it's a penalty and. And you try to take the goaltender's eyes away, but but this guy decided to turn around and face him as the play was going on and wave his and, he, and jumping up and down in front of yeah. him, you know, waving his arms, waving his stick, and and you know, I mean, there's no rule against it. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's unwritten written rules, and to me, that's not great for the game. Yeah, yeah, so. uh, uh, I don't even really. We, we just gonna... wasted. We just wasted three minutes on a guy that I'd prefer never to talk. No, about. I understand. And, never, and I have no, I mean, I shouldn't even talk like that. It's just, it's just the antics because I, like I said, I don't even know if I ever played against him. I mean, if yeah. I did, I don't even remember him. So yeah, I had one interaction with him, and it was a bad interaction. So, <laughs> My. well, were you were you buying him drinks from across the room or something? No, no, no. Oh. I'm not that guy. No, no. I. Uh, <clears throat> ah. So he's known for being fashion. Um, so I, you know, asked him, you know, he was in for an interview. And so I talked to him about, you know, I was asking him about fashion and I was like, Hey, what do you think of this shirt? It's this designer. And he kind of teed off on me <laughs> and, you know, you think I care about that and stuff. And I was like, okay, I was just trying to, well, I thought maybe you actually did care about that. Yeah. I mean, that was my thought was like, this is something that you're known for outside of the rink. And so I was just trying to just throw it out there to have a conversation, but you don't want to have a conversation. So, okay. And uh, he was chippy on the air. And so we kind of ended the interview quick and uh, moved on. So it was, um, you know, I mean, the whole ah, too much time spent on it. Well, I will tell you this place. is that when you brought up fashion, I wasn't going to go there, but you are the fashion guy. So you, you're kind of like the guy I've been watching on Big Brother. What's that guy's name? Um, uh, anyway, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> Whatever his name is. Uh, everybody listening, I'm sure they know Big Brother. They, they just finished. Celebrity Big Brother. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyway, I remember the year when he was uh with the stars man i just said we're not going to talk about this but he was with dallas stars they had a, a whole thing set up at american airlines to introduce the team tables were down there and you know every, you know a bunch of fans had tables and he wore shorts and you know guys get dressed up and all that kind of stuff and, and avery wore shorts and there was a big yelling and screaming thing going on behind the curtain uh, because he was told, you know, he's not going on stage with shorts. And, you know, that was my, and I was like, what the hell's going on back there? You know, one of those kind of deals. And that, that was actually a Brett Hull uh, yeah. acquisition. He, he liked Sean. I, I'm sure they're good friends. Um, I think Sean <laughs> lived with him when he first came in the league with the Red Wings, was it? With the Red Wings? Why did I? Why did I think that that's how the relationship? Well, I mean, it, like I said, you 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 seem to be enamored with the guy. So I'm not. I'm we, sure. we don't have to talk about. It. I was just saying. One of the things I like doing about this podcast is giving the people the pull back the curtain, you know, look. Yeah, he he came in with the Red Wings in like 2000, 2001, and I, you know, he kind of he bounced around. I I remember him in L.A. with the Rangers, and then I think he actually went back to the Rangers, and I think that's when that whole Brodeur thing broke out but you know he when he was when he was in dallas it was kind of it was kind of short-lived i mean i think it was just it was one of those things where you know you made an acquisition you thought you were getting this and within 10 to 15 games i'm assuming it could have been game one is like you know there there was somebody a little bit smarter upstairs or maybe it was a coach and and just said hey it doesn't happen often but there's times when players don't just fit in with your group for whatever reason. And I just don't think he was fitting in. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think he lasted 20, 30 games or something like that. And, and, you know, it was gone. Yeah. So, but it started day one. I mean, it started with the introduction of the players and, you know, he was into fashion and he thought that was fashionable. And I, I don't maybe in soccer or something like that, but not so much in, in, in the NHL at, you know, was that the right attire uh, that he was trying to get away with? So I think it was downhill from day one, to be honest with you. All right. So let's talk about 
positive news. The Dallas Stars with a big win against the Winnipeg Jets in overtime. And I did this, Craig, because I didn't want to be Mr. Negative, but I called a friend of mine last night who's a diehard Stars fan, and I was like, hey, am I coming across negative if I say the following? I didn't feel as though for the first period and a half that the stars, I felt as though they lacked energy. I felt as though they weren't going to the dirty area to screen off Hallibuck. Um, I just thought it was more stick checking than body checking, even though there were some big hits early. Um, but then they turned it on and I think that's great. But how is, what's your assessment for last night? And that was my assessment. And am I ripe with that? I think you're, I think you're good. Um, because I, I have this thing when I watch watch them play, it seems like they don't kick in until they're behind the eight ball yes. or there's a little adversity. And and typically that's when the other team scores first. Um, or there's, you know, a big hit and Jamie's got to go fight somebody. So, and, and in today's uh, day, I, I can't say that, they're not prepared because there's there. And sometimes maybe I think in, in, in this game, you can be overprepared. Uh, there are so many meetings and video and all that other kind of stuff. And after a while, I think you start to, I think smart uh, coaching staffs management, they, they limit some of it because, you know, these guys are all dialed in all the time. And, and I think sometimes you're putting a little bit too much on too much, but, but anyway, um, it, it is, it is for me, it's been like this for a while. And I'm not talking this year. I'm talking years. There's a reason that general managers and, and people upstairs are just look at some of the players over the last five, 10 years that they brought in here. And, and I think that's part of the reason is to find players that can get the rest of the group going. Um, you know, I, I go back to Patrick Sharp and Johnny Odulia and mm-hmm. guys like that, you know, they Stanley cup guys and bring them in here and, and, you know, now we're talking a guy like Joe Pavelski and, you know, and, and Joe can definitely get um, his line together. I mean, we know that they're, they're ready to go. It, it appears every night, yeah. you know, they always seem to stand out. Betsa was but, a former captain too. Orkoff was just, a captain. It's, yeah. It, it's just a, it, it's a, it's a characteristic that, that I just have felt for a long time that, um, they're lacking in a way to be prepared for whether it's the, you know, 30th team in the league or the number two team in the league, but when they get down, they can turn it on. And and again, typically that's not a good way to go about your business as you get towards the end of the year and heading into the playoffs, which they're, you know, it's about recognizing the situation and where you're at And, and they're, you know, they've been chasing a spot all year long, it seems like, and they get close and then they, you know, may take a half a step back and then they get close and, you know, now they're close again. And as a matter of fact, when you look at them from a point stand uh, percentage standpoint, a winning percentage, um, they're right there. Uh, but again, that you have to win those games that you have in hand, whether it's one game or three games. And, you know, that's been said forever. So um, I did think though, last night, what stood out to me, if anything, was their goaltender. I yeah. thought Hellebuck just looked, and maybe it is just being too comfortable, not, you know, not a lot of traffic in front, but I thought he looked sharp <clears throat> and the, the Jamie Ben goal, uh, you know, he, he looked off a little bit on that. Well, I don't think he was off. I, I think whether Jamie did it on purpose on that shorthanded goal where he was trying to sell, he's going someplace else and he slid at five hole that, that upset, Hellebuck because I think he felt like he misread it and like I said I don't know when Jamie got it he actually had like for me I could skate from the other end of the rink and have no clue how to to how to have enough time and and hockey sense to be able to sell a goaltender that you're going somewhere else and then you know go in an opposite place those are guys with gifts so um but otherwise I thought Hellebuck was good the whole game the, the last goal in overtime that is just a tough one where he makes a save and then he kind of bats it back up in the air. And then, you know, Tyler gets his stick on it and it ultimately crosses the line. And, but again, they found a way to win. I, I think at the end of the day, um, that winning helps a lot of things go away and not necessarily go, but go away, but sometimes cover up, um, you know, but you, you have to be concerned when, 
you know, they score their first goal within the first, you know, whatever it was, five, six minutes of the hockey game. Um, and then it takes them a little bit to get going and then they get that break. And, um, but I think that comes over time too. I mean, they, they're finding ways to win. And they, the good thing is they have the confidence that they can come back. You know, I don't think there's a, a big panic there uh, from this group if they're down a goal or two. Now, like I said, that, that those things change all the time. And I think that actually kind of goes back to the year they went to the finals. I mean, how many times in those finals, and there were those are ridiculous circumstances, right, with the COVID and the bubble and all this mm -hmm. other stuff, but they were down in so many games. There yeah. was a game they were down by three goals, and they still came back and found a way to do it. For a team that is supposedly supposed to be a defensive-minded team, they sure found ways to, you know, claw their way back and ultimately win hockey games. So maybe that's where the confidence for the, the remainder of guys left over there, and that kind of spreads to the room that, hey, we can do it. You know, we can come back. And I'm sure that's what happens. They go into a period, they're down by a couple goals, and they, they, they bring that up. We've done this before, and that's great to, to fall back on, but it sure would be nice to be able to, you know, to come out hungry right off the, at the drop of the puck, and especially in your own building. Obviously, there weren't a bunch of fans because of weather, but you, you come out in your own building because if you can play in that bubble and create momentum and, and be ready to go, you can definitely create it if you only got 3,000 fans in a building so um yeah I, I i don't know what the what the magic bullet is right there for those guys to be ready all the time and it's not and again it's a long year it's not easy and but you know you're getting paid to be that way well yeah it was a big one last night and tonight it's huge <clears throat> against nashville because that's who you're chasing for one of those wild card spots and a couple things i wanted to ask you as a former player and I know you have confidence in your teammates because you're all at the professional level. But how long before the current stars, because it seemed like even after the game, like the way they celebrated Ottinger, I just feel like they now feel as though, wow, I think we have something good between the pipes. Yeah, well... I think they've heard about Otter prior to this coming in. And, and I think the way that Otter actually started, and then maybe there might've been a little dip, which is typical with young, young gold and young players in general. But to me, Otter just looks so calm and cool. <laughs> and this is something nobody, I, I'm sure players, no, nobody really picks up, but Otter has this thing where after he makes a save and there's a whistle, where I'm, I'm assuming 80% of the goaltenders in this league, they kind of wait for the linesman to come over and grab the puck and hand him the puck for the faceoff. He makes the save, there's a whistle, and he just throws it over to the faceoff dot. I don't know if ever, anybody ever picks that up. He all, because I just find it's so different. And it's like, yeah, here you go. I just did my job. You guys go ahead, pick up your puck, and, you know, drop the puck. You do <laughs> your job. I, I, and again, it means nothing. <clears throat> but it, it's always stood out to me. And it's like, okay, I made that save. I'm moving on to get ready to make the next save. And I don't know if that's just something that he's always done or however it is, but, but there's no question where I thought, I mean, it, it's turned for me. I thought Holtby was great in the beginning of the year and, and Otter had good games. And I felt, ah, there just seems to be a time where that one goal goes in and not every game, just once in a while. And you're like, man, that, you know, he makes all these saves, but he, he just seems so confident in his preparation as a goaltender, he knows his size. He know he he makes saves, but I think he relies more on positioning and his size. Uh, kind of like I think what Ben did. Ben, ben Bishop, knowing he's six seven or whatever Ben is, that you know there's no panic on a cross on a cross crease pass. Uh, there's no panic coming down on a sharp angle where the new five hole seems to be short side high, you go right by a goaltender's ear and he just, he gets to where he's supposed to be. He just, I I'm over here. I'm going to let it hit me. I'm not going to try to, you know, get my blocker and get my glove. I'm, I'm taking away the high percentage goaltender areas of the, of the net. And if somebody, cause you know, <clears throat> I go back to our guys all the time. There was a goal that went in one, on one of our goaltenders this last weekend. And, and I just, and he kind of came over and he goes, hey, I said, listen, I said, sometimes you just have to give credit to the shooter. Yeah. These guys are pretty damn good. Yeah. And and those things don't rattle him. And so anyways, I think he's, he's definitely, for me now, he's taken over as that guy. And 
not to say that Holtby can't, you know, pop in there. I know his name has been attached to, you know, being a, a deadline move or something like that, but um, he, he just, I just think he's so calm. Um, he has certain things he does as a goal. He never tries to overhandle the puck. Mm-hmm. I think he knows I'm not, I'm not Marty Turkle and, and I'm not going to, you know, if your defenseman's there, he just leaves it sit there. And I think, you know, and you always figure out your goalies and you, you know who you're playing in front of and how he handles the puck and where he likes to put it. And does he like to be, does he want you to go down on a two on one? Does he want you to stand up on a two? You know, all those little things you start to learn about a goaltender and you just, you play to his strengths. Um, so I, you know, he is for me, I, I looked like the, between, between him, Robertson and Hintz, like there's your future. Yeah. That, that's, that's the way I look at this group right now. And speaking of future, you know, what, what's going to happen with Klinger, but, you know, and I, we've been saying, you got to find a way to get Joe to come back. Right. And so mm-hmm. I, apparently they've had a few talks um, and, and they recognize that they recognize what Joe brings to this group. They recognize what he more importantly brings to them, two players he's playing with and probably the rest of the group. And, and I just wondered as soon as I saw, what was that a couple of days ago, it came out, you know, that Jim Nill is, you know, they're, they're actually, they're currently trying to get, you know, Joe Pavelski signed. And I'm going, if you're John Klingberg, you're like, huh, is that right? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, so you're trying to work on him. Speaking of that, well, tonight, so tonight in Nashville, they're trying to get Forsberg, their leading goal guy, to figure out what he's going to do. I mean, they're kind of in the same hole yeah. that the Dallas yeah. Stars are when you come to GM. So now you got Klingberg versus Forsberg tonight. Uh, and I'm sure that might be one of Razor's bits um, at the opening, talking about, you know, a couple guys that are, you know, under the spotlight here as far as contracts go. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, and we're less than 30 days away from the 2022 NHL trade deadline. Always fun, and we'll dig into that in the next uh, few weeks. Also, tonight is the retirement of Pecorine. So, uh, you know, outstanding goalie for for Nashville for a number of years. Um, One of those guys, Craig, that, you know, could never really – I think if they look back, they're probably going to say that, you know, he couldn't take it to that top level, but oh, man, he was really good. Yeah. And I, you know, and I think he, I think the biggest thing that I've heard about him is, is what he did with UC Saros when, when Saros came. Yeah. Um, and there's been comparisons, Eddie, <laughs> not comparisons, but alter egos. Sure. Is that, you know, he was so welcoming to Soros, brought him into his house. As a matter of fact, he, he lived with Pecorini, had him move in when he was a young goaltender. And, you know, so he was grooming him for the most part uh, to be that guy. And then, you know, the last couple of years when Rene was the guy and Soros came, you know, was coming out of the net at times when he probably wanted to stay in, he was all behind Soros. And, you know, that, that to me is a guy that you, you keep in your organization uh, there. I mean, I'm sure they will. I mean, he's the, he, he seems to be a big part of their organization. Mm-hmm. So, and when I say compared to, to Eddie, Eddie was that guy like, dude, nobody's taking my net. I, I don't care if you're 18 or you're 28, I'm not helping you out to take my job. And that's why Eddie's in the hall of fame. And that's why a lot of these guys are in the hall of fame because you know, he, he hates to lose whether it's a game or his job. So, uh, <clears throat> and I guess I kind of, lean that way versus the other way, but it's worked out for, for Rene. And you know how I am. Uh, I think this is a good spot, even though Dallas played last night. Um, Nashville coming off a huge win down a couple goals against the Florida Panthers, find a way to come back and win that game. That's a big win for those guys. Uh, Dallas plays last night and, that, and they didn't play last night. They played a couple nights ago when that game happened, but I'm a big guy in, in lessening distractions. And I do not like distractions around teams, around players, uh, whether it's game one or it's game seven. I hate them. And I think they're, you try to keep 23 guys pointed in the right direction. And this is a huge game for both of these teams tonight. And Nashville's leading in distractions. This thing with uh, Rene is supposed to start at 6 o'clock tonight. It's supposed to last for 45 minutes. If it's like anything else, the players will be sitting on the bench and they're mm-hmm. going to bring back Shea Weber and Hornquist and O'Brien. And, you know, they're bringing a lot of their guys back. Their former captains are coming back. So there's going to be, and they're, 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 they're Rene deserves a big to do. Right. And they had a thing last night. Um, 
So they're going to be sitting on the bench more than likely, and maybe not. Maybe they won't be sitting there. I, I don't know. I would assume that they would be during this whole presentation. Um, like I said, they've got the the Forsberg thing, which is a distraction. Klingberg thing is a distraction. They're handling it good, but and then they've got on Saturday they got the Winter Classic. So there are there are some things, you know, on the on the exterior going on uh, for this Nashville team. And um, so that could be a benefit to a team that had to play last night in Dallas stars. And, you know, Dallas is in a Dallas has got the, they want the spot that Nashville's in right now. Yeah. So, and Nashville's a great story. They really are. Um, A lot of people did not predict them to be where they are um, because quote unquote, they were in the middle of a rebuild. Um, But kudos to Soros, kudos to a lot of their players, um, solid organization. Yeah. It's going to be a, going to be a really good tilt. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to uh, watch that. You know, last night, once again, we saw that second line blossom. Um, would love to see it more on a consistent basis because then you have two lines going. I mean, I think we all can see that the first line of the Dallas Stars is consistent and you're going to get something out of them night in and night out. That second line, when they're going, Craig, it's – you know, when Gurionov's going and Sagan's going, it's pretty good. I mean, I I have to say, you know, I'm going to take a step back. You know, he might not have the points that he once did. But I think Jamie Benn's having a really, really good year. Um, I think he's improved defensively. Uh, we all know the grit. I think he stepped up as a leader. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a, you know, I got to say, Jamie Benn has done it this year. Um, and it seems like Sagan, you know, you keep talking about this injury, Craig, and, you know, I really love your thoughts on that because um, there are times now where you see a difference in Tyler Sagan. Yeah. I, well, I said, I, I don't, I don't think you come back from an injury and the rehab that he had to go through and you're fine in four months or six months or eight months. Sometimes it takes players 18 months to get their game back. And also, you know, they've been riding shotgun with each other for a long time, Tyler and Jamie. And I think, you know, they, they're back together. And I agree with you about Jamie. I mean, Jamie is playing the way that he needs to play. I mean, you watch Jamie going to hit some players and he doesn't always hit them, but he's, he's going there with some purpose. Yep. And so he's, he's, his game for me starts, it starts and ends with his physical presence. If he has it, he's, he's on. And so are the other 19 guys in the lineup that night. And when he's not on that, he's, he's off individually and I think the team is off and, you know, because I do believe that there's some, oh, our captain's here tonight where, you know, you want, you don't ever want to think that because your captain's there every night. So for whatever the reason is um, Jamie's going. And I think what he does is he drags the rest of the team into the fight. And more importantly, right now, he's dragging his line mates into the fight. Like look where Gary Anna scored his goal. He's in the, in the blue paint. Look where Tyler Sagan got the overtime goal. He's right there. So they're playing a more direct game, which is exactly how Jamie Ben plays. He plays direct. And Jamie Ben, you know, I think it was a couple nights ago where Jamie was on the perimeter and tried to take a one timer. And I, I think one of the yes. announcers, I don't know what I was listening to, tried yeah. to or who I was listening to, but someone and they were they were absolutely right. I couldn't believe it when he took when he tried taking a one timer. You never see him do that. <laughs> and you know, he'll take a wrist shot here and there. But for the most part, he drives himself to the front of the net. And he's the, you know, the Brendan Morrow type where, you know, you score your majority of your goals in the crease and you either ran somebody over to get there. Or there's somebody hanging off your back. And, and, you know, and I, whether that's a conversation that they're having, I've said this about Tyler for a long, long time. The, the more Tyler has a hard time for pucks going in the net form, the more I felt he would drift to the perimeter. And I think they think there's more space and time out there. There is, but unfortunately, you know, you don't score from out there typically unless you've got somebody in front of the net. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're playing the right way. And Gary Anov, I mean, not only is he still using his speed on the outside, you're seeing him use his speed through the middle of the ice. Mm-hmm. That is so hard to play against as a defenseman. Yeah. He's one of those guys that you have to keep around. I think um, just for the simple fact that, you know, if, if you could just get that consistency, but we've been saying that since his AHL days. So, um, I'm a big Gurionov because when he's on, the talent is just, you know, it's a, it, it's amazing. It's just I would love the consistency. One thing that I would love to see, and hopefully 
you know, Bonus understands this, is just to keep those two lines intact. I know that they're going to have their down games, but it seems like those are the two lines that need to stay together. Well, I would say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And, you know, you've been looking for a one-two punch, it seems like, for 50 games now. And, you know, you've got that top line, especially when you go on the road. So now they go on the road. They've got that line. I mean, you, it couldn't happen at a better time because the first thing that Nashville is going to do is they're going to match up against Pavelski's line because that's who's done the majority of the damage. Um, it wouldn't surprise me tonight the way that Jamie plays is that somehow they try to get this rookie, Janot, and and that line against the Ben line. And, and the only reason I say that is because they've got some weight. The the big guy, Trennan, I think, yeah, it's Trennan. I think Janot, Trennan, and I'm not sure who the centerman is on that line, but they play in straight lines. And, and I would think that if you know that the head of the snake that kind of is driving the Dallas Stars right now, and you could say it is the Pavelski line, but in my opinion, especially when you go on the road, it's people that are driving in straight lines and trying to disrupt what's going on at the other at the other end of the rink in front of the net and it's Jamie Benn and, he, and, and you know they know the importance of this game and, and I, I think that now you have okay do you want to go and try to stop Henson Robertson or now all of a sudden they're like well Jesus now there's the speed with Gary Onov. there's the direct path of Jamie Benn and all of a sudden Tyler Sagan is finding the back of the net so I think you've with their play you've created a bit of a matchup problem uh, possibly for Nashville in their own building, which, you know, usually that doesn't happen. You, look at the teams that are at the top of the league. They don't just have one line that scores. That, that's not the way it works. I mean, you've got to have depth now. You know, it used to be you could have, you know, that line, that, that top line, and, you know, you'd have a secondary line, you'd have a checking line and then you got your, you know, your, your three bangers, fighters, whatever, well, that those days are gone. And the teams that are at the top of the league are coming at you regardless of what line uh, is up next. And I mean that at home and on the road, you, know, you can look at Florida, you can look at Tampa, look at Carolina, uh, you know, Toronto's trying to get to that spot. So um, th those are the tough teams to play against. So uh, you know, they're another step closer. Dallas is right now with what they've got going. So I, I, it would, it would shock me if they decided to split up those top two lines right now. Yeah. The line you were talking about, Trennan, Janot, Colton Sissons in the middle. Yeah. And Sissons 13. has been there a long time. Good, yeah. good centerman. Just, yep. he, he, he's one of those North South guys. He plays well on his own end. Um, he'll get you a few goals, sometimes big goals, but they, they, they're on a direct path. And I, I could see those guys. I don't know, but I, I could see those guys possibly matching up because Trennan, Trennan's the guy that KO'd Sedano Chara. So you know that he's got that. So if Jamie wants to run around, hey, if their captain wants to run around and, you know, would, which you can get his team going, you know, Trennan's going to be there. Yeah. So And, 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 and one of the and, other stories, too, that's so great about Nashville, a lot of people thought that, you know, maybe – Matt Duchesne was heading in the wrong direction as far as his career. It seems like he's been in the league forever, but he's only 31. Um, but 46 points and 47 games, including 23 goals, just a quite an impressive year uh, and, a, and a great signing for Nashville. Well, I think for a long time, they've been under the microscope since him and Johansson have both been on that team together. You know, they're both making about 10 million and they both were doing nothing. Yeah, You know, so you got money tied up and then you got Forsberg who, you know, we talked about earlier that, that has got, I think he's up to 26, 27 goals. I, I know that his, his goals per minute is like in the near the top of the league minutes played. So, you know, and he, again, these guys, these guys always seem to find the right time of their career uh, <laughs> to light it up. You know what I mean? So, <clears throat> but I, I look at, I look at the two general managers in tonight's game they're both kind of sitting in the same spot, you know, like, what do we do? You got Klingberg, you got Pavelski, you know, you, you've got these guys that you're wondering, what am I doing? Am I, because like I said you know, a month ago, if we were way out of it, it'd be really easy what to do. If we're, we're in, a, we're solid in a spot, it's easy. You add, um, but you've got a couple guys that are on expiring contracts and they've got one. Um, he's going to get paid some big money at Forsberg. 
and they're trying to figure out what to do with him. And and so, but anyway, the, the, both of these general managers are like, Jesus, either would you guys either get in or get out? I mean, ideally get in. And even if you get in as a number eight seed, number seven, right. or whatever it is, you're still not like, you still don't know what to do. Yeah. I mean, do I, do I add to this team? Do I, and, and again, there's messages sent to your group downstairs when you do or don't make moves. Like if you get into the playoffs and they may not even know until a week, three weeks after the trade deadline, that's the hardest part. You know, you're looking at what, 30, 25, 30 days away from a trade trade deadline. And then you look at uh, where Dallas is going for the rest of the season versus where say Nashville and who's the other team? Well, you know, Edmonton, you know, again, Anaheim. they're all in the West, this whole wild card thing. Well, Edmonton and Nashville have a, a tough schedule from here mm-hmm. on out. Dallas, Dallas is down near the bottom of the league when it comes to strength of schedule. I mean, you look at the top five teams in the NHL right now, uh, Colorado, Carolina, Florida, Tampa, uh, Minnesota, Calgary. Well, Edmonton and Nashville have to play those teams like eight times yet. And, and Dallas isn't in that category. And, and so, you know, they've got Carolina, they got Tampa, uh, Toronto, and two other teams. Uh, the Rangers, I think, are in there. But yep. they're only playing those guys, those teams like five or six times, the top yep. teams in the league. So strength of schedule. And when you look at the lesser teams, they've got more of the bottom five teams to play than the other two teams at the top of the, you know, Nashville and Edmonton when it comes to playing the bottom teams where you know you're supposed to pick up points. Yeah, well, so, that, that, that said, you're right, Craig, and that's when we get back to the consistency because if they don't make the playoffs this year, you're going to be looking at two games and you got swept by Ottawa, you lost to Montreal, those late late game um, comeback losses against St. Louis, Vegas, um, th- things like that. But um, you do have Montreal coming up. You got Buffalo on Sunday. So, I mean – there are some chances to to get some points. Um, you're you're right about the tough schedule for Nashville and Edmonton. The intriguing one is Anaheim, um, and they've played 53 games, so uh, Dallas definitely has some games in hand. But the last two games of the season, if you want to put it on your calendar, and if it comes down to it, it would be exciting. Are in Anaheim, Dallas against the Ducks? Not going to happen. Uh, mark it down. I, I don't think Anaheim's, you think Anaheim's fallen. <clears throat> yeah. I don't think, I think Beaker, uh, Pat Verbeek, if anybody doesn't know, he is now the new general manager there. I think that the reason Pat Verbeek was hired there, the reason, and Beaker could have probably went to, you know, 10 different teams um, as a general manager. I think one of the reasons he picked it is because of what the future looks like. I think they've got some, some players in the pipeline. They're, they're, <sighs> their success is coming in the next two to three years. And, and so I, I just, they've done great where they're at um, right now, even to be in that position. I don't think anybody expected them to be there, but I don't see them being a team that they're going to fight with. I, I, I just don't, but again, I've been wrong. I thought Winnipeg was going to be way up there too. I, I, mean, I too. have those guys penciled in at the top of our division. And so I, you know, I'm way off on that one, but <clears throat> and tell me you haven't heard this, almost every time we've done this thing, it's going to come up to the, to the next two to three weeks. Because when yeah. you look at, like, you know, you, like you said, I think they finished a the month with what you said, Buffalo, right? But then when they get in to next month, next month, when you look at, they got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine, ten, ten 10, games on the road, one, two, three, four yeah. at home. So they're, they're heavy on the road next month, Winnipeg, Minnesota, they're a juggernaut. Nashville, we know about those guys. Toronto, they do have Montreal. Rangers at home, or the Islanders at home. We'll see about that. And then Washington and Carolina. And then they got a couple of games with Anaheim. So, again, if you're the general manager, you're going, geez, you know, how do, how do I make moves here? Like, you know, somebody's got to show me something. And I, I really haven't, and I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't seen – a lot of GMs in history that when you're a bubble team or you're even a, you know, not assured of a, an eighth or seventh spot that goes out and makes a big ad. Um, they typically, you know, deal people away. Cause there's a lot of talk going on with JT Miller in Vancouver. Uh, you know, their best player this year, got one year left on his contract. Vancouver's not going to make the playoffs. So, you know, there's a, there's a slim chance, but more than likely you're not. And so now it's easier on those guys. And, and then they're wondering about, 
we're going to trade our best player away. You know, so it, it's tough being in the middle of the pack. Like you, they call it the mushy middle. It's the right. worst place to be for management. And, you know, you like you year after year after you don't get good draft picks. Like you're not, you know, you're getting middle of the road draft picks just because of the, the pecking order when it comes to drafting. Uh, and then you just kind of, you kind of hang around and you're hanging around. You're either got to be really good or really bad. So here's the you other know? thing too, Craig, and you're listening to the Spits and Suds podcast. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. He's two-time Stanley Cup champion and your favorite former Dallas star, Craig Ludwig. Here's the other thing. Is that from a management standpoint, you know, if this was Jim Nill's first or second year going into the trade deadline and he can say, look, we have to do what we have to do. We have to get something for a John Klingberg while we can. If you miss the playoffs this year, the job security of Jim Nill, I'm sure will be in question. So I think, you know, selfishly, if I'm Jim Nill, I might want to keep him and, and make the playoffs, but yeah, it would be tough to face Colorado in the first, in the first round. Um, Me personally, I think for the future of this team, you got to get something for the guy. But I, I just, I don't, I don't know what you do because again, let's let's say that you say you're going to keep them because we want to make the playoffs. And for me, for the life of me, I don't. I, I would hope that ownership and general manager are talking. I think they should always talk, and I know that there's a lot of them that kind of stay away, you know, and they 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 hire guys to do their job, but. You know, where Jim is, is, okay, do we want to give Klingberg this kind of money for the next six years? And just the way it seems that it's going, and when you say that you're working with signing Joe Pavelski, and he's been here for three years, and John Klingberg's been here for a long time, um, you're kind of sending a message, aren't you? And so if you're already sending a message, um, and you're going to sit there, and then as an owner you don't make the playoffs or you do make the playoffs and you go out in the first round and you got nothing for John Klingberg. You're talking about the future again. Now, I don't think you're going to get two first round picks for John Klingberg. If you, if you trade him, I, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen, but you could get a, you could get a, you know, a good prospect. You could get a second, third line young player, and maybe you're going to get a second or third rounder for him. I mean, I don't know what they're working on it because right now I don't think it's a buyer's market. Like in the East, they're set. The East is done. So take the East who you're going to work with as a trade partner. Like they're there though. There's not teams jockeying positions. Right. So they know where they're at. Yeah. Um, and I think the good general managers, in my opinion, the way that I think it should be done, they get out ahead of it. Like Jimmy Rutherford does it. Um, they don't wait for the trade deadline because now, you know, and maybe they look at it as, you know what, we've got a player that, if we get rid of them right now, there's three other teams that want to wait to the tread deadline. And then maybe that price, you know, now all of a sudden you got a bit of a bidding war. Um, but I think you have to know what you want. You have to know what you don't want. And if you ever get to that point, then you pull the trigger. Um, so again, I don't, I don't envy either one of these general managers, the two teams that are playing tonight where they're sitting with, you know, arguably they're, they're, top goal scorer on one team and a number two, wherever you put John Klingberg as a defenseman, which we know is a, an incredible commodity to have, um, especially the way the game is played today with, you know, the, the offensive skills that Klingberg has, but apparently there's been, you know, some disconnect and, and, and it doesn't appear that, you know, they're, they're trying, they're knocking down the doors to try to get the deal done, but you, you know, know, earlier in the show, an announcement talked- in a week from now that they've signed him, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Earlier in the show, we talked about, agitators and it is a skill set and Steve Ott was so good at it. And um, one guy I think that has that potential and he was drafted real high um, is Ty Delandria. Um, I think he got under people's skin when he was up. Now the play has to progress, but just a, just a, just a nugget I'm going to throw out there. You know, when I, when I was at the games, I would see, you know, that, teams were frustrated with his constant energy and feistiness, especially in front of the net. I, I, I don't think you can ever have enough of that. Yeah. Um, especially because there's a lot of teams um, that are looking at their defense core as being a little bit more slanted towards skill. And I think those guys have a bigger effect 
on those kind of defensemen at the offensive end of the rink. As far as physical play, being tough on the guys that are asked to, you know, put points on the board as defensemen. Uh, you know, because again, you around the league, everybody's looking to find that guy, that big, strong defenseman. Like, like in, if you look at Florida and their team, a guy that for me, he's, you know, he's healthy this year is Aaron Ekblad. Um, yeah. You talk about a guy that is big, strong, physical, but then, oh yeah, he like the other night against Nashville, he just danced through three guys, went down and scored a goal. So bomb of a shot on their power play. And again, those are, you know, those aren't, you don't, they don't just fall off a tree. So they're fortunate to have them. Um, But at this time of the year, when you think you have a playoff team, you're looking to find some more defensemen and you're, you're not looking for the top defensemen. You tip, you're not going to, at this time of year, you're not going to get them. I mean, you're not going to come back and get Dougie Hamilton and guys like that. You know, they're, yeah. those guys are gone, the offensive guys and things like that. You're looking for the solid defense. Look at what, look at what Tampa has done. The last couple of cups that they won, they go out and they, they try to find a way to get a number four. Ideally they end up getting a five or six and a seven defenseman. You need 10 defensemen to make a playoff run. You probably need somewhere around 16 to 18 forwards to make a playoff run because guys are going to get hurt. And, and because it's a different, you know, what I was talking about, it's different time of the year and you get banged up and it just seems like those kind of defensemen can handle it a little bit better. And so everybody's looking for them. Yeah. And the flip side with Klingberg is, is I just haven't seen enough as far as point offense, so to speak, or defensive. Um, You know, I just feel as though John Klingberg is a really good quarterback for this team. Um, And, you know, Everyone says, well, we have Miro. Ah, I guess that's a podcast for another time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just don't want to be hated for saying it. That's the that's the thing. I think he's a really good defenseman, and I think he has the potential to be a great defenseman. But I just, we've talked about this. I just have not seen the offensive development. I thought I was seeing it in the bubble, and I just have not seen, I've seen flashes, but I have not seen that. You just mentioned Aaron Ekblad. I would love to see Miro become more offensive-minded at times because I think he has that skill set just like Ekblad does. Yeah, I, I said this one of our first podcasts. Is I, I felt it was the time this year for him to take the next step, even though as good as he is. Um, but you're not – and again, I compare him to a guy that I have. And as a matter of fact, we've talked about this. I, I show this guy, this player of mine, clips of Miro. And I said, you have this, you have this, you have this. And then, and then I'd say, you know, and there is another similarity. You get to the tops of the circles in the offensive zone, not a lot translate into a goal. And that doesn't mean anything negative, nothing, but it's just, it's who you are. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's always, for me, it's going to be another level for Haskinen. Um, but I, I don't think you should, Nobody should look at Miro Haskinen from what we've seen in the, in the last couple of years that he's been playing. He's not going to be Shea Weber in front of our net. Right. He, he's not going to be that guy. That not. I, I watch how he plays in front of our net sometimes, and um, and I don't mean to say dainty in a negative way, but he he's just not there to 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 put his glove in somebody else's face, or he's not there to stop him before they get to the net. He's not there to to break somebody's ankle. I mean, he he's taken a swing a couple of times when he got mad because he <laughs> wasn't penalty called. But I would yeah. like to see that every shift from him. But again, he is such a such an exceptional defenseman. He's a but nobody's really asking defense. Kale McCarr to be that way. Nobody's asking Fox and the Rangers to be that way. Right. But then again, they're going to end up with sixty to eighty points this year. Yeah. So you know that that's where the give and take comes along. And and I don't, I'm not sure that that Haskinen is that ideal middle of the road defenseman that's got bite to him and that can run a power play. I you know he can run a power play. Um, because I tell you what, when he comes across the offensive blue line, the way he can knife through a couple players mm-hmm. and get it in, um, that, that's a big part. I mean, he, and again, somebody, a lot of people are going to say, listen, if he can do that, and then you get it on the stick of Robertson, Pavelski and Hintz, yeah. you're doing your job. And I would hundred percent agree. And that's why I'm saying, I wouldn't look for Miro to be the guy that's going to be the Kale McCarr. He's not going to score 20 plus goals. Right. I don't think he's going to be that guy. There could come a time where I'm hundred percent wrong, which I usually am, but I, I, right now, I don't see that, but I, but everything else is, I mean, the arrows are all pointed up. And it could be the style, too, because, I mean, I look at Suter, and granted, Suter's 
later in his years. But, I mean, I remember Suter on the point for a power play, and that slap shot was nasty. And I just haven't seen that with the Stars. Um, and I know the slap shot's kind of fading with many teams, but I still think it's an effective shot. I know, you know, the popular thing is is the uh, directed wrist shot so it can get tipped. But at the same time, I mean, I, I you know, when, when, when the Stars were playing Minnesota and prior to that Nashville, I mean, that power play revolved around Suter. Yeah, but, you know, those days are gone. Yeah, no, I get uh, it. I get it. I get it. I'm just worried about the the offensive-minded. If Klingberg leaves, I'm just worried. Can they develop enough offense from the blue line? Yeah, well, I don't think that, again, Jim Nill's been around for a long, long time. Been part of, you know, another great organization, you know. And, and so he knows what he – he's not there, – there's a reason he went out and got – Hockenpah and Suter in the summer because he knew something like this was coming down the road. He was protecting himself. This came down the road. So in that sense, I have to believe that he has somebody else in mind, whether it's already in the system, uh, whether it's one of the defensemen that are there now that he thinks can, you know, step up and, and to, I don't know who the next, cause we, regardless if you like or, or dislike John Klingberg, you can't deny he's got some, some mad offensive skills. Absolutely. I mean, his patience and poise with the puck in, in all three zones are, are, you know, there's not a lot of players that can do what he does. He's the ideal defenseman. If you're going to go in to a team and, and, you know, drop them down in a team that's got like the guy, you know, the Ekblads and th- those oh. kind of defensemen that are weighted on both sides. Then you got one or two, like a, uh, the dude in uh, Carolina, number four, Gouda, uh, Gouda, Gouda, right? Yeah. Gouda. Yeah. Like that guy is in the perfect, he scored his first goal the other night of the season. So, but, but he leads the league in hits. He leads the league in trash talking. He leads the league in pissing people off on the other bench. Um, So he's the perfect guy in that spot with that group of players. So, and again, those aren't easy, you know, spots to, like I said, there's only what three, four teams in a league that have the parts that they want. So yeah. again, that comes down to your general manager and it comes down to drafting and, you know, all the, all that kind of stuff comes in there, putting the, you know, putting the salt and pepper with the right kind of steak. So, um, you know, that it's not an easy job being the, these general managers. Absolutely. You know, and, and, yeah. Well, that's going to do it for another episode of spits and suds. And since you mentioned steaks, I'm glad to buy a dinner for you anytime, Mr. Ludwig. Uh, you're just, you're just trying to bribe me to go out again. Is it working? Not, not, not in the least. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be any more direct than that. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Did not tippy toe around that answer. <laughs> well, the good news is I just got a text. Our rink is open and we're playing at seven o'clock tonight at about our kids rink is closed. So no practice, but I got a game. So it's a good day. Congratulations. Go yeah. get a win tonight. All right. To get a helicopter to get me there, but <laughs> thanks for uh, listening, everybody. We'll uh, talk to you next week here on Spits and Suds.